Oh damn. I tried to I tried to like get everything out of the screen that I wanted <laughs> to get out, but there's still a blanket. One sec. You know, it's a very beautiful blanket. Uh, one that would be very beautifully wrapped around you and you're wrapping it around yourself. Look at that. That's exactly what I'm talking about. This was not planned, folks. And it's still there and it's gone. There we go. And once again, you're talking and I don't know what you're saying. <laughs> You'll have to what were you saying? Play back. You'll What's have that? To just you have to wait and play it back. You can still see it. I mean, like, what is... <laughs> It's like the schmata or the rag that never quits. Oh, whatever. It's my Mexican blanket that is I've had for years. It's still so cozy. Oh, absolutely. Welcome to getting juicy. I'm Hero and this is my mic. <laughs> <laughs> and mine is not with us right now because I'm in the midst of getting some hopefully new gear and uh, you know, you know, when you get it, that's the thing. Okay. They trick you. With the new Macs, I love Mac products. I really do. Um, I'm, a Mac, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a Mac gal. <laughs> um, but geez, it's like you, you spent so many years with the USB port in mm -hmm. your older version. And then, of course, all the new ones are USB-Cs. So I'm like, great. Now I don't have enough room for all my stuff. And then my ring light breaks. And, you know, they just make you buy all the new accessories, right? Which They always do. That's just, you know, that's how they roll. I know. Yeah. I know. It's wild, isn't it? How technology consistently is changing, how everything else around us is changing, and yet we just have to keep up with it. Yeah. Speaking like of changes. Yes. Yeah, I don't know. I just was going to mention my body. Okay, so I don't know if, everyone, if anyone's listening. <laughs> I don't know if anyone's listening. We don't know if you even watch um, or listen to our podcast, but anyways. <laughs> I don't know if those of you that are listening know what pickleball is, but I mentioned it to someone who's from Ireland and she's like, as a wadaha, like, what the hell is pickleball? And it is such a craze in for the, I think at first, maybe for older generations, but now for like all ages. And apparently yeah. there's competitions, like it's gone, been caught like wildfire in the States and in Canada. So I took my first Google it. If you don't know what it is, my first pickleball lesson, I'm not going to explain it. I just, we don't have time and I just don't care enough. Um, but I took my first lesson last night with my girlfriend I'm sore. Like it was mm -hmm. great. My glutes are so sore. Um, just using wow. muscles and running around. Like I haven't done in so long and basically, okay. I said, I wasn't going to explain what it is, but I'll just give you <laughs> the Coles notes of how I, I could unprofessionally describe it. Right. Imagine ping pong. Okay. A giant version of ping pong. And you're like in the ping pong game. That's what it is. So you're in the table. You're in the table. <laughs> I was like, is this a Zoolander reference? It's in the computer. <laughs> what is this? A center for ants? Right. <laughs> and actually, I was going to say, that's not a great segue, but speaking of games. Yes, yes, and yes. And competition, that mm -hmm. could be a good segue into our guest. Yeah, our guest. And today. I'll let Hero take that away. Well, I guess some could say that the tribe has yet to be spoken, um, but after this episode, it shall be spoken. Uh, we are grateful to have a fellow Canadian, uh, Torontonian, by the name of Erica Kasupanan. I hope I'm saying the name correctly. And Erica is the recent winner of Survivor 41, um, 
on CBS, which is a really fantastic reality series for those that have not kept up with it for the last 20 plus years. Are you living and under a rock? You don't know what Survivor is? Like I know exactly, right? <laughs> Gilligan's Eigen, Eigen Island, Gilligan's Island, <laughs> Lord of the Flies. Uh, but but yeah. yeah, it's really great because uh, she is the, she's actually the first person we've had on the show that is from the reality uh, series of Survivor. We've had some other yeah. uh, folks from different series, but Survivor has been one that I've watched ever since I was extremely young and I've always had a deep close to my heart. And we are not necessarily going to talk to her about Survivor f- fully, but she is going to talk a little bit about her story about the show airing and her experiencing as the show was aired from the beginning to the end and the kind of process it affected and how it played out through that process and also about who she is behind um, that image that is now casted about her being on Survivor. So how she grew up and what some of her challenges have been, what has been some of her key defining moments. So I'm really excited to have her on. Me too. And you know, I, something that maybe people probably do ask survivor contestants this, but how do they prepare mentally? Okay. Physically is mm-hmm. one thing, mm-hmm. but mentally, how do you prepare for something like that? Right. Well, you know? I know, I know, I know these shows do psych evaluations and stuff, but I don't know if that's what you mean. Well, just personally, how did she prepare? You know, right. what, what did she do? I mean, I can only imagine because just because such a big component of our podcast is mental health. Right. Um, just curious if, if that, you know, her, how that might have affected her because I I mean when that first season came out uh like you said I can't believe it's been 20 something years is that what you said it's been over 20 years it started in 2000 crap yeah because I remember (laughs) that and I remember Richard Hatch winning that season that was like one of the um I've watched seasons throughout the years but that was yeah I definitely watched we had like survivor parties like our neighbors would come over and watch it with my family um but I just, I do recall being like, what is this show? Like, this is insane, you know, and mm-hmm. really thinking what a wild and unique and, and now it's like reality is just like freaking, there's every type of reality show. Right. Absolutely. But at that but at the time it was just like, and I thought people must be bonkers to want to do it. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, and then the other thing is, so you, I think you already mentioned this was she she was the first canadian to win is that right yeah very first canadian uh, survivor to win um the show there have been canadian contestants i can't name them off I was the top gonna of my ask head yeah. but there have been uh, some canadian contestants that have come onto the show in the past but they only started accepting canadian applicants i think in 2018 um i forget okay when the exact year was, but that's um, within the last five years, four or five years. So within the last kind of eight to 10, eight, eight or so seasons. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's really great because there isn't going to be a Survivor Canada from my knowledge. And if there would be, then it would be like a, not a CBS show, it would be like an Outdoor Life Network show. Yeah, I wonder. I don't know. Well, yeah, probably not, not CBS, but it could be like CTV or I don't know. Or it would be like, you know, stuck somewhere in rural Saskatchewan where they like dig up all the fields and stuff and they make all the <laughs> challenges happen on these open fields. Okay. Speaking of though, like jokes aside, there is a reality show that someone just told me about and I forgot, oh my God, I forgot what the name is, mm-hmm. but it's, it's based somewhere in Canada where it's like, it's like a wilderness survival, this show. Oh, cool. Have you heard okay. about that? 
And it's no, like, I haven't. they have to outlast each other in the wilderness with in Canada, starting in like um, late summer that goes throughout into the, or the maybe September that ends up into like the, t- the first bit of winter. Oh, And I mean, like by themselves, they, sorry, there's not like survivor. I mean, it's, they, they stick them out there in the middle of nowhere, Yeah, but they're, but they're by themselves. And apparently there's no film crew around. They just, they film themselves Oh wow. and they have, they were only allowed, oh, they have to live off the land. And like, apparently um, the winner, one of the winners, they live last like a couple months. Whoa. Out there by themselves, by themselves. It's some wow. crazy, leave it up to the Canadians to do. Like, I don't know if it's actually a Canadian show. It, I, I feel yeah. like it, I feel like it is, Yep. but that's insane. Like talk mm-hmm. about endurance and, um, Whoa. oh my gosh i forget i need to watch that because our friends were just like oh it's incredible amazing anyway, I'll find rachel's gonna start watching a reality show i, wa- I watched the odd like i said to you okay like i was watching and then this is totally just topics on reality shows now um uh that's not cake or it's not cake is, is this <laughs> is cake? this cake is this cake? yeah yeah <laughs> that's not cake is this cake yeah that's i just cake? finished watching what? it did you I okay i didn't actually it. i didn't finish watching the whole thing but um yeah like i'll watch stuff some of those things i find they're so lighthearted and yeah. fun and just in the background while i'm cooking mm-hmm. or those kinds of things i just find it i find it nice but um yeah. but the host of that show is from saturday night live and mm-hmm. i looked him up like his he's actually he's so freaking goofy mm-hmm. but he's funny like he's yeah. I actually, I like him as opposed to, he kind of makes the show too. He totally makes the show. Yeah. yeah, he does. And also all the guests, guests that come on as well. I think it's actually pretty amazing to get that many people that are on like other Netflix series or that are from the comedy world. Yes. It's pretty as amazing. judges. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. 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 So that was, you know, but some of these shows, I mean, and someone was saying recently about how um, Netflix and, and these streaming platforms, they're just craving and needing content all the time that just blows my mind like you kind of it thinks when i think about it i just think like they've got to be just drowning in content that they, they just can't get out fast enough but right, right. it's just people people are eating it up like the binging that we do watching stuff yeah is just stupid like oh i know i know oh Even my like- god like even for I'm, me included, me included, like not with reality with, with mm-hmm. other things, but I'll just like, I'll binge watch series so yeah. fast. Oh, it's... totally. Totally. Like I've been watched... like, okay, on to the next. <laughs> well, yeah. But like yeah. I, I binge watched a, um, it's based off uh, manga and manga is, um, like mm. Japanese, um, graphic novels and stuff and comics. Mm-hmm. And so there's this uh, Netflix anime by the name of, um, Kotaro lives alone. And it was based off of a manga and I watched all of it, all 10 episodes in like a day and a half. Mm-hmm. And it was just absolutely incredible. Like, I mean, some people don't connect with the animation style, but I'm just saying the amount of meaning and stories in that show that they showed has so many meaningful experiences that anyone that wants to watch something really different and fun definitely watch it it's a very easy watch um Mm -hmm. but yeah that's why whoever was speaking to us a lot of these shows on netflix are now going back to weekly episodes because that's what happens that was trevor boris you know people are binging all the time right and then they are wanting more and more and more so then they don't know what um else to watch and it's like well we spent all this time producing this for you to watch and then you consume it in a day and it's like 
well, we need another year to make another season. So that's so true. Yeah. yeah. And it's so that kind of culture craving content. Like I even applied to Netflix's like reality TV show portal where it just says record a one minute video of yourself doing your best self and you can select what shows you want to be a part of or what genres for reality. That's inc- crazy. They're doing it that way now too, right? Just because yep. there are so many and that's, yep. wow. Yep. Unbelievable. Yeah. I mean, it's true though. I think that's probably why some of those shows are doing like one or two episodes a week that they're releasing. Yes. Yeah. 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 Some so, of those are too. Yeah. Speaking of binge watching reality shows and one of our favorite reality shows we've been binge watched is Miss Erica. Hello. Hello. Hi. Hi. Good. Good. How are you two doing? How are you two? I guess you and your mic are two people, I guess. <laughs> Wait, I don't know. I was like, your, your <laughs> so, is there someone behind me? <laughs> like, I don't know. No, no, if that's there is, freaky. Then it's something speaking for me. I have no idea. I'm sure you've seen more than I have. <laughs> so oh nice gosh. to have you. Thank you so much. It's so nice to meet you both. Absolutely. So we gave a little introduction about yourself, of course, um, in terms of how we found out about you and how I was connected to you. And uh, we would love for you to introduce yourself in however which way you would like to, however you want your um, listeners and viewers to know who you are. Oh, man. I mean, my name's Erica. I watched Survivor for a long time, decades even, and Uh then I won Survivor last year. So I think that something that seems so impossible has happened. And I am currently now figuring out what happens after your biggest dream comes true. So I think I'm in a big transition point where I previously was working as a public relations manager for about a decade, and now I'm on a new frontier. So who knows, maybe a year from now, my introduction will be different. But right now I am just in a place where I'm growing and learning. Love it. That's that exactly is, what we what we thrive and seek. I, absolutely. And so where are you, um, I say caller, where are you calling from? Oh my God. Where, like how old fashioned are we? Where where are you coming into a, into Zoom from? Where do you live right now? <laughs> I I'm in Toronto, and Toronto. I'm old okay. enough to be someone who would call into radio stations <laughs> yes. and to request okay. songs. So I yeah, totally same. get the reference. I just same. aged myself. Okay, like, yeah, geez. you aged all of us. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh! So congratulations. I know it's been a little bit, but um, the roller coaster has it. Is it still just like up at that peak? It's honestly crazy. I think that the timing of when I won was so weird because so many people would say to me, oh yeah, after you win Survivor, it's crazy. And I'm Mm -hmm. thinking, okay, so I win, it's the finale in mid-December. And then where I am in Toronto, it's Omicron again. Everything shuts down truly days after the finale. So I'm Mm -hmm. glad that I got to have a big party for the finale. So it got kind of quiet. The year starts. I think everybody has COVID because it's pretty quiet for me. And I'm thinking, okay, maybe it's not that busy. Maybe it's me. Maybe I'm not the one who's Mm -hmm. busy and I'm, I'm an outlier of a winner. But then I think as soon as everybody recovered, it's just been crazy, but it's it's all good things. Truly. It's all good things. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I was, I know that Canadian uh, contestants have not really been eligible to be on the show for, I think until 2018, I think like they did it eight to 10 seasons ago. So yeah. I always found that quite interesting. And again, you were the first Canadian winner, which is fantastic. Um, and of course, with us being Canadian ourselves and having family in Toronto, it's really great to have that representation and at the same time, but everything that you represent, you know, cause even though in watching the show and how you were portrayed and hopefully it was completely accurate 
how you were portrayed. That's how you presented yourself. And I think that's very refreshing to have people that are how you presented yourself to be concise and making an impact in society that goes beyond the, not the facade of a TV show, but from mm-hmm. the time that you get on, you know, those 10 minutes at a time on a show at, at the most in an episode, it's not a lot of time, but you can make such an impact. So we would love to know a little bit more just about not so much like your time on the show, but I know you mm-hmm. were talking with me offline about um, your experience from the show wrapping up and your time the now mm-hmm. and your time watching yourself on television, which is a very unique angle. Um, so I was wondering if you'd be willing to start there. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot, a lot to go with there. And I think that, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, you were talking about the impact. And that's mm-hmm. really something that I never anticipated going into it. I think that I went into the show, I was aware that a woman hadn't won in years. I'm aware mm-hmm. that I'm a Filipino woman. I'm aware that Asian women typically don't do well on Survivor. Just this week, we had an Asian woman yeah. get voted out before the yeah. merge. So I knew that there were a lot of things riding against me when it comes to just the odds. Mm -hmm. And I think that it's really easy to go into a show like that and you really want to prove yourself and prove everybody wrong. But for me, I realized that's a lot of games to be playing. The game of Survivor is complicated. And then the game of now trying to be this hero on TV for everybody, that's so many games. And I can't do all of that. Pressure, pressure though. I mean, holy, yeah. And I was going to film the show in 2020. And then, of course, because of COVID, it got canceled. And I think the 2020 version of me would have applied all of that pressure. And then in 2021, I thought, okay, I'm just going to play however I need to play to get to the end and win. Whether or not people like me, we'll we'll see what happens there months from now. And I I did. And um, I think that what was so rewarding about the experience is after I won, I got so many nice messages from people, so many crying selfie videos of people reacting to me winning. And they felt like, wow, through me just kind of doing whatever felt right to me in the time, Mm -hmm. it made people feel a certain way. And it made people who normally don't see themselves win, watch TV and, and they feel Mm -hmm. like they can win. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I, I mean, I got mixed reception after I won. I'm not a a stranger to that. And I think that because I'm so different than a lot of people who have won recently, Mm -hmm. I think that it probably doesn't make sense to some people how someone like me won. And I I also think that whatever people can think what they want, at least in me winning, there were some people who never see themselves win who got to finally have that experience. So it just made all of it worth it. Absolutely. And I totally agree with you. Um, being a reality addict myself and watching Survivor since season one. So when it was like eight, I know we just talked about aging ourselves, but you know, that, there's a <laughs> lot of us. still a baby. Yeah. Kind of. <laughs> but you know, there's a lot of us in that boat, right? But I think about other winners of the show, like Ted Her- uh, Todd Herzog, who probably the most similar in terms of like queer, Caucasian, not very you know, like you wouldn't ever suspect someone like that to be a winner, for example. Mm -hmm. Right. So I understand what you're saying. There are certain figures or models of people that you see yourself and that maybe you wouldn't think like, um, like a Suri Fields or things, people like that. Mm -hmm. So I think Mm -hmm. you're right. It's been a long time for people like that to be recognized, let alone that they're from Canada. So they're not from the States to they are a person of color and not just that, but their outlook on life and perhaps the things they've been through, whether if it's mental health, if it's gender and sexual identity, Mm -hmm. if it's um, culture, society, there's a lot of things that 
you embody um, mm-hmm. just based on what you shared publicly. Um, so I think that's really fascinating to be able to connect about these things that we have this time with you. Yeah, of course, of course. Yeah. And I think that, um, I think that's something that I didn't realize going into it was how, how, how much that really meant to me, because yeah, as, as you know, there were a lot of similar winners over the past few years, like a lot of, frankly, it's been a lot of men who have won the Uh last few years. And I think that, (laughs) yes. Yeah. And, and I think that survivor fans are kind of used to, I don't know, like certain styles of gameplay. And even though it's a game where it's very subjective and there are many ways to get to the end, I think that for whatever reason, people see a cookie cutter specific type of way as being the best way to win. And right. I hate to do that. No, isn't no. that isn't that kind of what people think life is like though? Uh, like yes. art, I mean it base it mimics boy oh boy does it mimic my life and you winning really I hope and I I I pray that that's mimicking kind of what people are craving, what they want, what they want to see, the diversity and just, mm-hmm. you know, inclusion and all those types of things. Um, so I don't know, like, do you, do you feel it's kind of headed in that direction? I mean, although we were just talking about the woman that was, or the person that was just kicked off not that long ago yeah. on the recent survivor, but. <laughs> I mean, I, I hope so. And I think that Part of how I played the game was bringing in different life experiences I had before, which again, as you were saying, in the real world, there are certain cookie cutter traits that are all not cookie cutter, but certain traits are always valued over others or certain types of personalities tend to whatever reason be valued over others. And I feel like I would try so hard in my professional career before Survivor and I would do well, but then there would always be something that blocked me from really getting to the next level. And Mm -hmm. all of the lessons I learned from that, I I brought into Survivor. And I thought, uh, I feel like it's something really common, especially with women, where we're told, okay, you need to change the way that you Mm -hmm. speak. You need to change Mm -hmm. your tone, or you need to be assertive, or you need to hold back. And there's all these things that women are asked to change about themselves to appear Mm -hmm. more authoritative or whatever. And I went into the game and I'm like, you know what? I'm going to do the opposite. I'm going to make myself look so small. I'm going to flip all of this on it on its head. And that's going to be people's downfalls kind of sticking mm-hmm. to what they expect. And for me, it's been so rewarding to know that that paid off. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. When you're when you mentioned that, and I think I picked up on you saying the way that you present yourself on the show, is that how you, pre- that's not how you present yourself in, in daily life? That's, I, do you know what I mean? Like I'm just trying to, yeah. Yeah, so, yeah. So I think so it's interesting. It's like I wasn't trying to be a character for TV per se. Yeah, I was trying to sure. make the decisions to get further in the game, but there are yeah. certain things that I would do to make myself seem smaller. So mm-hmm. I right. would go to tribal council and I would purposely make my body language smaller because women are told, mm. oh, take up more space. And I'm like, I'm going to do the opposite. And right. if you actually look at photos of me at a regular tribal council versus the final tribal council, I then switch my body language to be more masculine. And the way I'm sitting, I look Look the same as the two boys beside me, or wow. I would change the way that I spoke so that I had less authority um, when I was at camp or would do my hair in a certain way. So I looked more juvenile. So it was kind of like, I think I was always me, but then I was always trying to present in a less threatening way. Wow. <sighs> that actually, so there was a, one question I said to Hero that I, I'd like to ask you um, yeah. that is on the same wavelength, I guess, as like, you know, what, you, what did you kind of do that was psychological? 
and had to do with, you know, mental component. How did you prepare um, your mental health essentially, or mentally, like physically is one thing, but did, personally, how did you prepare going into a situation that you were put in? Because we both, like we talk about this a lot on the podcast, we both um, deal with mental health challenges and we mm-hmm. have for many mm-hmm. years with anxiety, uh, nonverbal learning disorder for hero, uh, depression, like certain things. Um, was there any of that in your life that you were kind of nervous that might come out while you're doing the show? Or was there any preparation that was, I don't, maybe, maybe there wasn't, I don't just totally curious about that. So I had been seeing a psychotherapist for years. I love, I love a psychotherapist. You, I love addressing some generational trauma and during the, okay, you're preaching to the choir here, girlfriend. Like we're, we're, we are full of it. We are, I'm sorry, I interrupted you, but because we talk about that a lot. We're actually grandkids of Holocaust survivors. So we, mm-hmm. yeah, we've talked about that a lot. So continue. Yes. Okay. Yeah. You heard, yeah, you heard it here. <laughs> I think that going to therapy can help you win survivor because mm-hmm. I was going to therapy for years. So I always really trusted the process. And then with COVID, how we're all at home. And I felt like I was just kind of stuck in my brain with my thoughts and all of these things that I felt like I had suppressed over so many years. I realized, oh, that thing that happened so long ago, that really bothered me and I never was able to talk about it. So I started going to therapy to talk about certain things that, uh, you know, just had bothered me for a long time that I tried to kind of cover up. I Mm -hmm. listened to a lot of Brene Brown. I actually read a lot of self-help books and I kind of went on to this journey realizing, oh, there was so many things that I might've felt ashamed about or really regretted. And then I gave myself really the grace to know that, hey, me, a decade ago is different than the me now. And I am just trying to do my best in a situation with the information that I had. And I think that really accepting that I'm imperfect and accepting that I don't have full control over anything that gave me a better outlook once I entered Survivor because Survivor, you have to be flexible. But the problem is it's also everybody's life dream to go on Survivor and win. And (laughs) I think that I, I was ready to know that This time around, since I had done all of that personal work, I thought, okay, I'm going to go in. I'm going to do the best with whatever I have. I know that I have strengths. I know that I have weaknesses that could become strengths. And I'm not going to try to be the player that I think everybody wants to see. And I'm not going to try to be the type of player I've seen before. Instead, I'm just going to be imperfect little me and do what I need to do to get to the end. Incredible. Incredible. And to speak to that as well, uh, with that said, the season you were on was also a completely new format of the show. So you also had zero ability to kind of contrast what happened prior and let alone you are in the dark when it comes to contracts. So when you show up, you literally have no clue what's happening. You literally, the cameras are on. It's like, all right, time to see the reaction. And you're like, Mm. what the fuck? So Mm -hmm. I can imagine you're like, uh okay so all that stuff is out the window so even more so requires you to be so present and be like okay all of us are on an equal playing field as far as our knowledge of what's about to happen yes a million percent and i didn't find out that the game was 26 days until 
I think a day or two before the game started. So I think that all of the work that I did on my mental health during the pandemic and accepting that you don't have control, I'm like, okay, this is this is the tool that I'm bringing into the game with me. And yeah. during the pandemic, I actually also took a lot of comedy classes online. I took oh. a lot of improv classes online. Mm. And a big part of improv is really just accepting whatever gets offered to you when you're in scene and you yes and it. Yeah, so yes somebody and has it. this crazy yeah. suggestion Yes, I can deal with that. And I'm going to do this. Correct. And, yeah. and also improv is good with allowing you to fail and know that failure is normal and failure yeah. is not the end of the world. So I think that I became more flexible and more okay with failing. And I thought, okay, whatever this monster, as Jeff likes to call it, throws at me. Yeah. I'm going to be okay. And I even thought, even if I lose, I'm going to be okay. And I think that that also freed me. Mm -hmm. holy crap that's amazing so that actually so improv are you what is something that you'd always been interested in or what kind of things you were doing because you said you were PR right yeah yeah I was in PR I was always interested in doing it as kind of like uh, I don't know I thought I'd do it as a professional development course and since I was at home I thought okay let me try it so I did actually a few levels of improv I did a bunch of other comedy writing and comedy classes through the second Mm. city and made such good friends and I think that's Mm. the other thing I think that I was so into my corporate bubble and I was working in PR, I was working in tech, that I met these friends who are about the same age as me. They also did all of this, the right things on paper for their careers. And they reached this point where they're like, oh, we did all of this and we're not happy. So mm-hmm. I think I also found a community that I was really able to go through this transition with. Very well said. And I'm just being mindful of the, of the time. I, I would love to kind of dial it back a little bit about just, mm-hmm. you know, early childhood days for yourself and your upbringing and kind of the journeys that you took through today. I know it's a little question, but I thought I would yeah. ask. Yeah, yeah, yeah you, know, not, you know, another like 24 hours of just let's yeah. bring it back to every year yeah, of your I life. Know, no, no, let's, let's go through all four, 32 years. And if we go over a bit, like, it's fine. We, like, okay. we can go over a bit. It's fine. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, okay. Yeah, yeah. So we don't need, if it's, it's a good convo, so we can keep going. So don't worry. Oh, um, well, thanks. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know, I know. If it was a bad convo, I'd be like, yeah. Go. Yeah. Okay. That, well, I'm, glad, I'm glad we passed that test. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> or all, all of a sudden it's 830. I'm like, oh, um, I love yeah. it. I'm kidding. Yeah. I'm kidding. Yeah. Okay. Let's go. Let's go to childhood trauma. Yeah. No, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I was like, oh, this yeah. skip the dishes is here, guys. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, okay, let's talk about the. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So <laughs> all seriousness. in all seriousness, I mean, I think I had an upbringing that is not dissimilar to a, a, what a lot of immigrants experienced. Mm-hmm. I was born in the Philippines. I moved to Canada when I was a baby. So I think I was less than one year old and most wow. of my life was here in Canada. Yeah. And it was a lot of uh, the, the struggle that my parents had who came from the Philippines, educated with great careers and coming to Canada for a better life. And them now having to realize that for whatever reason, their profession at home wasn't able to translate in Canada and they have to shift and move into more working class work, shift work, multiple jobs in order Mm -hmm. to really make sure that my family could make ends meet. And at the time, you know, you're, you're in those situations and you think, oh, you know, how come 
my parents aren't helping me with my homework like all of the other kids or mm. why are we only shopping at the secondhand stores instead of the other stores or why do all of the kids have this and I don't and I have something else instead and I think what made it difficult is I didn't realize at the time it actually took me therapy decades later to understand that my parents we're shouldering a lot of shame for the situation mm. that they're in, which is really common for immigrant families. I, how can you be in a situation in your home country where you economically are in a good enough place for you to get up and move to another country and then go to a new country? And now you're at the bottom of the totem pole. That's hard for anybody. So true. Yeah. yeah. I don't think my parents really knew that that's what they were dealing with at that time. I think mm. that they were just kind of trying to forge ahead. I think that there was a lot of pressure and a lot of stress on them. And I think, unfortunately, because of that, um, there, there, we, we weren't able to really have the same emotional connection or emotional support or time together that was required. So I became a really independent kid. I also became really obsessed with achievement and validating myself. <laughs> through achieving. So I became a, a bit of a, a type A overachiever. Oh, and mm -hmm. I think that that served me well, you know, going to school and working for the first while. And, and as I got towards my late 20s and towards the pandemic, I realized, oh my gosh, that's, that's not <laughs> really what I think I'm like. I think that that yeah. was just a defense mechanism that I had built up over years. And I think that if I never addressed that, I think that I would have brought that same, I need to achieve to survive mindset into survivor. And then I wouldn't have survived. Good freaking point. Yeah. And did, did you have any siblings growing up or? Yeah. There are four yes. kids in my family. Wow. Okay. Wow. Okay. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and did you guys get along growing up? Was it a similar um, experience, I guess, for your siblings or? Yeah. Yeah. I think that. It was honestly nice to feel like I was, you know, on my little team where there was the four of us and we, there's big age gaps between us, but we just kind of all hung out. We all had to use our imaginations and figure out how we were going to have fun. And I think that, you know, everybody responds differently to those types of situations. Mm -hmm. I think I, I responded by saying, okay, I just have to achieve and act like nothing's wrong. And I think other people are like, wait, you know, like I'm upset. Um, but I, I think that, I'm I'm so grateful that I had, you know, like almost like peers, but they're more than peers. Yes. They're my siblings who are with me throughout all that. Yeah. That's incredible. And in terms of when you were in schooling and as you're saying that achievement status, did you find that was very academic uh, driven or was it also very creative and artistically driven or did you find it was a bit of both? Oh, it was everything. It was academically, <laughs> it was extracurriculars. I needed to be the head of every club. I needed to, I, I was always really interested in the internet and being creative digitally. So it was a bit of everything. Wow. And so when you talk about uh, PR um, and so forth, like what was the process for the idea of, okay, so this is what PR is. This is what I'm interested in. How do I, what was that whole process like for you? Was it as simple as, okay, I know what the, what the program I want to do and I go and do it or... <laughs> So when I went to university, I did a specific program at Western that talked about, it's called the Media in, Media Information and Techniculture Program. And okay. it basically studied media theory, cultural theory, everything mm -hmm. we see in pop culture. Because I also, because my parents weren't around a lot, I was always watching TV. I was always on the computer. So I was so mm -hmm. into pop culture. And I think that yeah. that might be why Survivor was so important to me too. Yeah. And I just loved this program and threw myself into it. 
And I did all the extracurriculars. I was the president of student council. I, I did I did everything you could at this faculty. Yes. And I, I remember in fourth year being asked the dreaded question that nobody wants to be asked, which is, what are you doing after you graduate? <laughs> and I had no idea. And I made the wise decision to think, okay, I'm a faculty president. The faculty presidents who have come before me have all gone to this public relations program. Mm. I don't want to not have an answer to the question about what I'm doing next year. So I'm going to go do that public relations program. So to be totally honest, I did not know what it was when I applied (laughs) to this year. I just just knew people did it. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Yeah, following the blind. But that's not a bad thing, though. But that's, yeah. That's so interesting because I even remember after high school that I knew I had no idea what I wanted to do, but I knew that I, again, I had to have an answer for someone. What, what's next? You know, what are you going to study? And it was always, and at that time too, it wasn't always like, are you going to take, well, we didn't even call it a gap year in Canada, but you know what I'm saying? You're going to take like time off. Are you going to go back to school? It was just like, what school are you going to go to? What school are you going to go to? What school are you going to go to? I'm like, I don't even know what I want to do. So I, you know, just took some stupid shitty courses at (laughs) CAP, like, you know, English 101, Marketing 101, like CAP, Mm -hmm. CAP College at the time. But it was just almost to satisfy the external Mm -hmm. pressure around me. It wasn't to do with really deep down inside what I wanted to do. That took, you know, a long time after. So I guess my question with in regards to that is once you were in, like, how long were you in PR for before you decided to like, okay, you know, I need a little shake this up a little bit. I think I want to apply for Survivor. <laughs> Did you supply just once? Did you apply yeah, a couple times? I, I applied once. Okay. And I made it on my first try. It took a long wow. time because of the pandemic and yeah. casting takes a long time, but I applied once and I worked in PR for 10 years. Oh, wow. So I did yeah. this job that I, you know, I, I was good at it. I'd get raises, I'd get promotions, the train's moving, it's comfortable, let's keep going. But I think <laughs> deep down, I never really felt like it was the right thing I should be doing. Right. And then by the time Survivor came around and it was 2021, I was actually going to play. It wasn't the false start of 2020. I thought, <laughs> how am I going to go on this huge adventure and then go back and do this? job so I quit right. and right. and I think I really underestimated how big of a mindset shift that was because I think that my job for a lot of people it was really part of my identity and right. who I thought I was and then now that's gone and I also didn't have to really play to sat to satisfy anybody at the office or anything like that I got to just kind of go in and be me. And I'm so grateful that I also took that restraint off of me before I went and played. Very well said. Very well said. And I don't know what you can disclose or not, but I'm curious to know about, (laughs) well, no, because I'm not looking for dirt, but I'm I'm actually curious about the the application process because I actually did apply very kind of haphazardly once, like mm-hmm. at the beginning of COVID when winners of work finished and there's the whole Ottoman, are you in Canada? Are you in Canada? Please apply. I'm like, the fuck? They're looking for Canadians? Sure, why not? <laughs> right? So like I'm there in my bed, my mouth guard on. I'm like, okay. I, and so I'm like, hey, bro, Satirial <laughs> Prince here. You know, I haven't been in the outdoors. I'm wearing a mouth guard. Ha ha ha. You know, it's like totally Canada. I'm like, that's, they want norm- normalcy. So what I'm wondering about is I know the general application, like go online, do this, some the video. Um, I'm guessing you did, you probably did that, but what was your thought process for applying and 
what kind of process did you put yourself through to send that kind of application forward? I'm, I'm curious to know that's about a, your process. That's a good question. Cause here when I was talking, sorry, not that I'm kiboshing your answer, no, but no, it's no, a good, no, no, it's no. a really, it's a good question because we were just talking about how even more recently here, we're, we're talking about the application process for like Netflix reality series. And because there's so freaking many reality series is now they're doing like a blanket kind of sweep of, you know, sending your application, you could be chosen for multiple mm-hmm. shows. So there's a lot, there's a lot going on right now and people mm-hmm. are interested and they want, you know, I think that is, you know, any kind of advice you can give people might be valid and they might take it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, so for Survivor, I had loved Survivor since I was 11 and it first came out and yeah. it wasn't even a question when it came time for the application. As soon mm-hmm. as I saw in 2018, Canadians were eligible yeah. that weekend. I had a friend come over and record me talking about why I should be on Survivor. And yeah. I think you really have to play to your strengths. And what I knew from working in PR for so many years was how to tell a story about myself. So mm-hmm. back in 2018, I kid you not, is when I pitched this, the idea of me being the lion dressed as the lamb. Yeah. I knew oh. that was the concise way to tell the story of how I mm. look a certain way. People perceive me a certain way, but deep down inside, I know that I'm actually a powerful player. And I think that honestly, having that figured out and kind of knowing what my my thing was what my character was I think that that's what got me through the casting oh. process so easily and huh. when I was in confessionals they were like okay say the lion lamb thing again keep saying it keep <laughs> saying it because I think that that was like my ticket to get onto the show wow oh, okay interesting yeah so but it, actually that makes a lot of sense because we recently had um a producer on the show um or no a storyteller essentially mm-hmm. from mostly uh reality shows and mostly like Canada's drag race and some new ones that are coming out and it really is what you just said it's telling that story that people Mm -hmm. you know and what's that that hook I guess really Mm -hmm. yeah yeah it's like because I feel like a show like Survivor it's very different than the other reality shows because it's so hard and they have to have people who actually will want to do it Mm. it's it's not for the weak of heart and i think that not only do they need to know that you want to do it and that you're not going to quit they need to figure out who you're going to be as a player and how you fit into the game so i think that having that hook immediately they're like okay she's going to fly under the radar she's Mm -hmm. going to probably end up showing that she's fierce later on so they they knew how to fit me into the puzzle huh that is very huh yeah. yeah, I didn't really. Oh, well, now you're rethinking your application. Yeah, <laughs> well, that perhaps for sure. But also at the same time, I mean, I, I think the window for me to apply at least for now would be not be there. It was more like, oh, it's COVID. Okay, I got nothing going on. Yeah. Um, I'm like, okay, <laughs> I'm just gonna do this because when am I not gonna do it? And when I would say it to my mom, oh, I apply it. She's like, you did it. I'm like, yeah, here's the video. And she's like, what? <laughs> Yeah, maybe so, some some planning going behind a video, perhaps. Oh yeah, um, oh yeah, for sure, for sure. <laughs> But with with that being said, how you're just saying how, you know, how difficult the show is, um, were there, I think Hira might have mentioned this before you popped on, are there psychological testing? Are you allowed yes. to say that? That you do? Okay, yeah. okay. Ex- extensive, yeah. Yeah, that's, and that's mm-hmm. something I never thought about either. So is there physical testing too? I'm assuming we go through everything. Yeah. I, I can't go to all of the, um, you know, yeah. Yeah. Of, yeah. but it's like, yeah. there's all the medical testing. There's all the psychological testing. There's testing wow. how, right. how we swim, how we move. So they, wow. they have a lot of information on us 
before we're even told that we're on the show. Like, I'm pretty sure they had multiple different kinds of my bodily fluid before they even told me that I made the show. Right. Right. Oh well, my and, gosh. And it's fair though. I mean, basically, I mean, not to sound dramatic. I know that with reality shows, when you go on a show like that, you do basically sign your life away. Like mm-hmm. you basically yeah. say, I give all my credit. I give all my <laughs> respect. I'm going to just not, you don't sell. I don't think you sell yourself out. I think some people might depending on how they are portrayed and that's their intention, but there's a mm-hmm. lot of people that don't, and they are huge role models and figures and spokespeople you included who actually take that opportunity. You're welcome. And take that opportunity to be like, Hey, no, I've got a message to share and a story to tell. And this is a platform that I can do that with. And so I think that's, what's really amazing is of course, it's kind of like an old wives tale, I guess now, but people are like survivor real, like, are they mm-hmm. actually in Fiji? Like, which is fair, right? Cause the idea mm-hmm. of what's reality and what's reality. But I mean, it's, it's obviously very clear. You are in Fiji, you are on an Island. You legitimately are there with people. <laughs> and I'm guessing cameras are, are cameras rolling. They must be rolling the entire time. You yeah. have a mic on you. Like it's all the typical reality stuff as well. Oh yeah. Yep. Yep. You wake wow. up and there's a boom mic in your face. Yep. <laughs> What? That's what? Yeah, I would assume that. Yeah, they they, they don't want to miss anything, right? I mean, it's like I get, I yeah. get it, I get it. But it's just, it's just, it's 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 so fascinating because again, it's not about getting dirt, but it's like what's what's the lifestyle? Like what's the reality? Like you legitimately have no privacy, and then let alone connecting with other people that are in the same situation as you. So when you look at these social dynamics, um, even like again in last night's episode that aired, like you see these social dynamics develop like instantaneously, you know, Mm -hmm. it's like, so in terms of those relationships that you have created, it seems like you continue to have those relationships from those experiences. And some might be more acquainted because of the experience, Mm -hmm. because of the bond. And some seem also to be true friendships, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'm, I'm honestly so happy that I have friends I'm going to have for life from the show. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting because, uh, you know, I have a friend like Heather who, um, she was my, my purple sister as many like to call her. And we were so different. She was a mom from South Carolina in her fifties has never lived anywhere outside of South Carolina. And she and I have built a really good friendship and we talk all of the time. And then, um, there was someone like Deshaun and he and I had an up and down relationship on the show. I feel like right. they didn't really show the full extent to, of our relationship because it was a really confusing story to tell. Right. But our relationship was in a bad place. Once we came back from the show, I, I was mm. very angry with him. I was very upset with mm. him. I feel like he crossed some lines with me and right. we didn't talk for a long time, but at the same time, we were able to work through it. We were able to talk about things. He took accountability for some things. And I think that even people, we had just met on this Island and then we were home and able to have the tough conversations and to really get our relationship back on track. And I think now because of that, we were able to get into a good place. And now he and I are going to be friends for the rest of our lives. And and Mm -hmm. I think it's also crazy that we, so quickly, we're able to build the relationship where, okay, we'll be friends, then let's have this huge conflict, and then let's work through it. And it speaks to how this experience really brings people together at such a rapid pace. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. And you make a good point. And, and just before you, um, before you respond, Rach, I also mm-hmm. want to bring up the fact that you only have like 43 minutes of a show. Mm-hmm. Like it's so 
quick now, the way that they mm. condense this information, because you're getting a snippet of so much. So as you're saying, they might not portray all this stuff where I find, and we don't have to get into this whole thing, but like in the Australian survivor that's on for all these years and that current one, you know, their episodes are at least an hour uninter- uninterrupted, sometimes 75 minutes. And it's like, come on, like we, we need that time as yeah. well on, on North American broadcasting so we can see these dynamics play out, you know? Because otherwise it's like, well, we, we just got in there. Like what happened? Like, what do you mean there's only four, 14 episodes? Like, Do you think we, but do you think pe- we have to, we've got too short of ext- attention spans, you know, perhaps? Like, I don't know. I don't know. I, Eric, do you <laughs> for, have any, for that long? I mean, yeah. I don't know. Do you have any thoughts know. about that? <laughs> I think that I think that the show and especially the way that the show has evolved this mm-hmm. current season and the last season, I think it almost enables people to have shorter attention spans yes. because yeah. all of the things that are featured are so physical. So someone has to go to this island and then open up this clue and read it. And there's a tangible right. thing that now is affecting the game. And I think that mm. with something like that, it's easier for someone to just sit on their phone and never look up to the screen to see what's actually happening. I, I think mm-hmm. that, and because of that, I don't know, it, it's kind of like the way that the game is designed. It's for more easy viewing. I think that if uh, it was more of people just at camp true. talking and getting more insight into what the relationship dynamics and what the power dynamics are like, you you have to pay attention to that. Yes. So maybe uh, the show is making yes. it. I don't know for sure. I mean, I don't work on the show. No, but no, <laughs> part no, of me thinks sure the show is being created. So it's almost easier for people to yeah, cater attention. Yeah. 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 That's fair though. That I mean, it's about visibility sense. and accessibility and mm-hmm. ratings. I mean, there's nothing wrong with that, but it's, mm-hmm. it's just something that you can really notice if you follow something long enough, you realize, wait, wait, wait hold on a second here. What's going on? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Go ahead, Rach. No, I was going to say, as I, I just can't believe what time it is already, as we kind of come, come to a conclusion here, Erica, I want to know what's happening with you now. Where do you see yourself in the next few months? Or are there any projects you want to talk about? Anything that's coming down the pipeline that you can share with us? I mean, I'm currently on Entertainment Tonight Canada. So that was also something that as a kid, I was always interested in, but never really wanted to admit to myself. So (laughs) cool. Thank you. Thank you. I I think it's cool. And I'm on um, once a week and I'm talking about Survivor 42. And then I'm also speaking. So I'm speaking at different universities and for different not-for-profits. I'm doing some influencing because now I can do that. (laughs) And then I have some other creative projects that are on the pipeline. But I think that, um, you know, when I think of the full experience of Survivor, I think that so many people are interested in talking about um, the game and what was it like playing the game? What was it like filming? And I think that filming the game is hard and playing is hard, but it's also fun. I had a great time doing it. And then the second part that no one really talks about and no one is prepared for is when the show is airing. And I think that that is where I learned the most lessons. And I think that that's where I, I, I'm going to, huh. I've gained the most that I'm going to take with me into the next chapter. From watching the show mm-hmm. yourself. Interesting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, can you just, I know we're, we're coming, like I said, we're no, just no, okay. closing, we closing here. It. Yeah. Yeah. No, I was just like, um, what's one thing that really kind of surprised you or something, was there something that from watching the show that really were like, Oh, really like holy shit or like I don't remember that or wow is that how they really portrayed me or I felt this way or I didn't or I don't know 
So before the show started, before the show started airing, I had accepted, okay, it's, uh, as you were saying earlier, it's only 43 minutes. We're there for 24 seven. So I knew the edit was going to be whatever it was, and I would be able to accept whatever they showed of me. And I think that they didn't show a lot of me at the beginning, but whatever they showed of me was positive. So Mm -hmm. I think that that that's something that a lot of people anticipate would be really challenging, but I was like, okay, whatever happens, I can deal with it. And then I think that a lot of people prepare for the internet being something where, you know, now all of these people are watching you and have opinions on you, but it's not really, I was able to separate myself from it because I knew it's not really me. It's this person on TV that they're talking about. I am actually not going to see what people are saying about me on the internet. So I felt like I was ready for that. And even though that can be tough, because I've had a lot of haters, I think that that's, that that's something that I'm able to really rationally wrap my head around. Mm-hmm. I think the okay. the thing that I wasn't expecting and that I've never heard anyone talk about before is after the show, um, sorry, once the show is airing and when the game is over, mm-hmm. every single person who plays the game is going through mourning. They're all mourning something, including mm-hmm. the winner. So sometimes people, I think most often people are mourning what it's like to lose. It was their Mm. number one dream to win survivor they get on the show and they came up short and i I think that there's a lot of people now not now not now but i think that they're kind of going through the motions of mourning and mourning looks different for everybody i think even as the winner something i was mourning was that survivor was something that was always um it was always this bright spot in my week it was always something that i could binge watch and it would give me joy and it was an innocent escape and Uh. now I have seen how the sausage gets made. I've been too close to it. And right. that thing that was such a joyful part of my life, it's gone. I think it's different now. It has a different presence in my yeah, life, but that yeah. innocent thing that I had for decades is gone. And I didn't realize that I was mourning that too. And I think that when you're with this group of people and we're now responding to what's on TV, we're responding to what people are saying about us. And we're also all reconciling this loss that we've all shared. Yeah. That was the, the craziest part of watching the show. I was not expecting that. Mm-hmm. That's thank you for sharing that. That's quite profound. I feel like this is very too would be the ones to, to get into this one. <laughs> no, absolutely. I love that. No, yes. it, that's that's extremely important. And I feel like you just scraped the surface on mm-hmm. the things you just said. I mean, yeah. and again, please tell us if if it's um whenever you need to wrap up. But oh, yeah. in the few things that you mentioned though, are there anything in the way you just kind of mm-hmm. um I guess encapsulated? I think maybe would it make sense in terms of a breakdown, like from the first episode to the merge to the final tribal, just I'm thinking of book, like bookends of Mm -hmm. like how that process was for you, like when you saw it air. So I think that the other thing that's, I I don't really know how to describe it, but then um, there's just a lot of, um, okay, what's the, what's the word I want to say? It's kind of like, there's a lot of stimulants, right? It's like Mm -hmm. the show is something that, is new information for you. The internet mm-hmm. is something that's new information for you. Mm-hmm. And then as everybody gets voted out of the show, each castaway who gets voted out that week, they then go on a little press tour and they talk about the show. So then you get their opinions on what's happening. But also these okay. people are in a state of mourning and everybody 
mourns in a different way. So there's mm-hmm. kind of like all of this information. And I felt like as the, the episodes progressed and as we got further and further along and watching the show, I just started to feel more crazy because <sighs> there was just so many people saying so many things. And I was yes. trying to really filter what I was hearing, but I felt right. like I was going nuts. And I talked to one of the psychologists because the show does provide psychologists for us to speak to um, once we come back from filming and as the show is airing. And the psychologist had said to me that what often happens is people start to take on the same emotions they're feeling during, they felt during the game for the episodes as they air. So as you get closer to the end and as things feel so crazy, I think about when I was getting towards the final tribal council and everything, and you seem you're so close and everything's so out of control. I realized that's what I'm feeling. And that's how I think everybody was feeling. And then you're replaying it. Like you're, you're literally reliving it Yeah, Mm -hmm. in Mm -hmm. a way. Interesting. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then there's people dealing with you know, feeling insecure about having to relive like a loss and, and having to really deal with, they thought that they knew what was going on and they don't and Mm -hmm. having to deal with those emotions again. And then there was, you know, for me, I think that's something that I dealt with a lot would be, oh, I would do something, but then I wouldn't get the proper credit for it while we were playing the game and then having Mm -hmm. to relive that, knowing that I was the winner. So it's, (laughs) It, right. it, that's the crate like truly that's the real crazy part of watching the show and I think that by the time it was over and then everybody gets to go out there and talk about the show publicly I I, I did what I needed to do and I'm like okay I need to take a break from all of this <laughs> I need to go focus on doing another project because I I just yes. don't want to go there again yeah not no. go there but and- I think it, it, it's just too much well yeah. and, and not only not only that like how long did you have to keep that secret for I found out I won in May and the finale was in December. Oh, like, see, I think that would also be psychologically taxing, perhaps. Yeah, I think in some ways it was okay because I think at the, well, there's good and there's bad because (laughs) at the beginning, it's a lot to wrap your head around. Imagine if your all time biggest childhood dream just came true. Yeah. How do you wrap your head around that? So I think that it was good Mm. for me to sit on that by myself and really process that by myself for a while. Mm -hmm. But then it's also hard when, you know, the show starts airing and there's all sorts of different, again, stimulants, all sorts of different opinions, the edit, the the internet, all the people Mm -hmm. and thinking, I just wish people could know that I won. Can can everybody just know that I won? (laughs) We don't have to keep doing this. Yes. And that that's where I got tough. Absolutely. And you can't just be like, guys, like I did this. This is like, you know, this was my greatest accomplishment Mm -hmm. in my life. And I can't share it with you right now. I've got to wait. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I can see that would have been, of course, really challenging. And is no matter how, because some people really are great at keeping secrets and some people like, you can just see through them, even if they don't say anything. Like I would, I can imagine that being quite, I mean, maybe being in PR, maybe there's certain things Mm -hmm. that are, you have to be very kind of low key and you can't say anything about. So maybe that might've been a good training ground. I don't know. But, um, and again, I can imagine this is probably the only thing I might ask. It might be a bit more generic, but I have yeah. to ask it. What was it like being around someone like Jeff Probst? <laughs> he is <laughs> the same in person as he is on TV. And during the casting process, I actually needed to FaceTime with him before 
during one of the stages in casting. And Mm -hmm. what's so weird is I felt like Jeff and I weirdly hit it off and I felt like I had known him forever. So I always felt really comfortable around Jeff. And I feel like the viewers (laughs) saw that on TV too, um, because Jeff and I always had our little little banter. So honestly, that's cool. Yeah. Jeff was a weirdly familiar presence in this crazy experience. That's amazing because you don't really see him that much. Like on the show, it makes it seem like you see them a lot. But on any of these shows, like a judging panel, a host, mm-hmm. you see them maybe for like, what, an hour at the most? Not mm-hmm. even like, yeah. So it's really so minimal. But to the viewers, you're like, oh, yeah, we get to see someone. It's like, actually, these people don't get to see that person that much at all. It's a very yeah. kind of a, a warped sense of, of presence, you know. So that, mm-hmm. that's great. I'm glad to hear that. Yeah, he was great. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Erica. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I adore, I, I really feel, um, like I have to say thank you for representing us and Canada because, um, I feel like you're, this this is too cookie cutter to say, but you're, you're perfect really to represent. No, I really do. I feel like, I feel like, I know, I know, don't I write. Yeah, I know. I know that's true. But I just feel like, ever, ever, and just since talking to you as well, and just really getting more of a feel for who you really are in this more candid nature. I mean, Survivor is candid too, but um, yeah, like I just thank you for representing Canada. And I'm really just, uh, yeah. And I look forward to seeing what, what else you do coming up in the future. Yeah. Thank you so much. Yeah. That means a lot. <laughs> yeah. And, and I'll, I'll echo what Rachel has said as well. Um, I knew that when I learned about who you were, even if it might've been the same way many people else did, um, I knew I, I said to Rachel quite a while ago, like, I want to have yeah, Erica. Did. I want Erica on our podcast and I'm going to do what I can. The overachiever in me, because that's my nature too. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to try and not get shadow banned or shadow blocked, but I'm going <laughs> to reach out to her as sincerely and as genuinely as possible to try and and have that opportunity to connect with you as a fellow Canadian and reality TV addict and, um, and a person of adversity. So we really do thank you so much for your time, your generosity, and wish you all the best and continued success. And thank you for being so candid and warm and generous with your time. Oh, thank you so much. And honestly, I I think that the conversations you have on this podcast are so interesting. And I think that Mm. there are a lot of things that you are are able to talk about that there are not really other platforms to talk about. So keep doing you. Thank you for what you do. Thanks, Erica. Thank you so much. Oh, that's so sweet. Can we take that as a (laughs) soundbite? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Put it it on all the social media. Oh, man. It's not easy. Like these platforms, especially now with, you know, podcasts are just have just exploded since COVID. It's like, Mm -hmm. man, like try to stand out, you know, and a needle in a haystack is Mm -hmm. not easy. So thank you. I really appreciate that. Mm -hmm. Oh, it's my pleasure. (laughs) Awesome. Have a great night. Thank you for providing us your time today. Awesome. All right. Thank you both so much. Have a good night. Bye. Take care. Bye. Bye.